0: Everybody doing okay? Tell me you're doing okay. Everybody say, yeah, clap for me, something. I hope you're doing okay. Um, As uh, Pastor Kevin said, my name is David Payne, and uh, it is a real honor and privilege to be here. That was an awesome video, by the way. And I love what has taken place here in Vortex. We'll talk about that in a second. But um, first of all, I'm, I'm just so honored and privileged to be here. As Kevin said, we've been talking together, meeting together, growing in relationship for a year and a half. And uh, through that time, gotten to hear a lot about your church. And here's the reality, guys. You, you may not know this, but what God has done over the last several years, what he's doing now and where, where he's leading Pastor Kevin and Amanda to take this church, you, it's easy to miss how incredible the church is that you're in because you're in it all the time. You're, it's kind of like the gerbil wheel, like Sunday's always coming. There's a next thing to serve, a next thing to do, a next hill to take. And because of that, you can miss all of the incredible things relative to what could be happening if it wasn't happening the way it is. And so I just, would you just do me a favor? Um, Kevin is an incredible leader, got incredible vision, greatly sacrificial. And he and Amanda, uh, I'm so proud of him. Would you do me a favor and just celebrate your pastor? Give him a big hand. Kevin's Awesome. And, um, and so I, I'm grateful to be uh, be a part of what's going on here. I also want to just introduce you to my wife. She traveled all the way down here with me. Uh, Nell, would you just set, stand up where you are? This is my wife, Janelle, and um, she's happy to be here with you guys. We love being down here. Um, we, as, as Kevin said, we started in a movie theater, and actually, I was so blessed and surprised this morning. There's a couple who was a part of our church for a long time when we were in the movie theater, uh, almost from the very beginning, that that moved down to Charlotte, and um, we cursed Charlotte when they left. We're like, Charlotte, we rebuke you. We don't like you because you're taking people from our church. We don't like you. And, uh, but they moved down here to Charlotte and uh, have driven all the way over to come be with you today at Vortex and um, sit here in a movie theater, which is where we started. So that's really exciting for us and uh, so excited to be just here with you today. Um, Janelle and I did plant Life's on Church uh, almost 11 years ago. We'll be 11 years old in September and we were in a movie theater for six years. How many of you have been a part of, of Vortex for like, let's say, uh, less than a year? Who's been here less than a year? Anybody less than a year? Put your hands up where I can see them. Y'all, some like, yeah, I'm proud of my year. I got my year. Um, how many of you have been here since the very beginning? Like five years you've been in here doing this since like the very, very beginning. Some of you aren't proud of that either. What is going on in this church? Um, but it's, uh, it's really cool. And and I remember we did six years in a movie theater and it was wonderful, but man, it was challenging getting up at four 5 o'clock in the morning, hauling a trailer, setting everything up, doing church, breaking it all down, hoping you don't run over all that kind of stuff. So, uh, what you're doing here is a big deal. And since we were there six years, y'all got one more year. So just suck it up. Y'all are doing it for another year, and um, I've told Kevin, you're not allowed to leave here until you go longer than we did, because if we had to suffer that long, so do you. That's just how it's going to be. So, um, anyway, but it is uh, it's great to be here. I want you to turn and look at the person next to you and just say, say, he doesn't have an accent. Go ahead. Just tell him. Say, he doesn't have an accent. Now look at the person on the other side and say, but you do. <laughs> but you do. We're... Uh, It's really great to be here. I'm originally from Kansas City, but uh, Janelle and I got married almost 25 years ago and moved up to New England and uh, been there ever since. And so I still keep the R's in my words, even though in New England they don't do that anymore. And um, and so it's it's wonderful to be down here with you. I'm excited about where you're going. I love the series that you were in earlier this year on marriage. And in the series that you were in, uh, you were looking at some stories of kind of some love stories. And you were examining how those marriages were and what, what took place and points of criticality. And where, where kind of the trajectory of their relationship changed and what you can learn and glean from those relationships. And today, we're not going to investigate a story, but we're going to jump into the New Testament and look at a passage of Scripture that's super familiar, but I'm not sure that um, we get some of the priorities that are set up based on what is explained here by the Apostle Paul. So I want to invite you to uh, turn in your Bible to uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, Ephesians, chapter 5. If you don't know where that is, um, if you will just flip open to the beginning of your Bible, look down through the list, it'll give you the page number, and you can turn to the book of Ephesians. It's toward the back. If you don't have a Bible, Bible. I'm sure Vortex would love to give you one. We'll put one in your hand. And uh, if you would prefer, uh, in our church, lots of people use uh, online tool. They use YouVersion or go online on their phone or iPad. But uh, we believe that you need to see what's in, in Scripture. So please turn to Ephesians chapter 5. And um, we're going to read a passage of Scripture beginning in verse 25 of Ephesians 5. It's fairly familiar. And then we're going we're gonna to talk about some things. So uh, join with me. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says this. It says, For husbands, this means love your wives. Uh, this is based on verse 21. It says, Further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Verse 25. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Verse 28, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. All right, now everybody just turn, look at your spouse, and just say, this message is for you. Go ahead. Just tell him. Just look at him, and say, this is for you, okay? All right, now here's the deal. How many of you are, uh, are single? How many of you in here are not married? Bunch of you that aren't married? Go ahead, put your hands up where I can see them. All right, cool. So, no, keep your hands up. I didn't say put them down. This isn't Simon's. This is Simon Says. You don't do anything until I tell you. Okay, so just keep your hands up. Everybody just go ahead. Look around. See all those hands? All right, get their number. Just help them out. Just hook them up. All right? <laughs> This help them. Um, but listen, if you're single, you may think to yourself, listen, this is a message on, on marriage. There was a marriage series. I'm not married. It's in for me. I just, I really believe that if you'll to stay with me for the next 20 or 25 minutes, that we're gonna help those of you that are single get set up to have success in your marriage. And for those of you that are married, we're gonna help you kind of tweak the trajectory. There's an inflection point in your marriage that maybe things went the wrong direction. And maybe we just kind of can help you kind of get back on course. And for some of you, you've been married a really long time. In fact, how many of you have been married more Than 10 years. Anybody more than 10? All right, how many more than 20? 20 years, keep your hands up. Okay, 30? Anybody over 30 years? Okay, this is competition now. This is where it gets real. All right, how about more than 32 years? Yeah, 33, 34, 35, 37, 40? Oh my lord, you guys are awesome. How how did you get married when you were seven? That's illegal. (laughs) So more than 45 years? Anybody over 45 years? A couple? Oh my gosh. For more than 50 years. Anybody 50 years? Okay, we'll go back to 47. How about 47? 48? 40 48 and a half? 49? Okay, y'all tie right there. Y'all tie right there. Everybody give them a great big hand. Isn't that awesome? Here's the deal. And and this this, this is what I think. For some of you, you've been married a really long time, and your marriage may have successes. It may have failures. Maybe it's thriving. Maybe it's not right now, but you have stuff you need to pour into the next generation because there's a cultural war on marriage, and we need to help them understand what it is that makes a marriage successful, strong, and thrive because it's gotten a bad lens. We'll talk about that a little bit, but for some of you in here, you're still in the honeymoon stage. You've been married, you know, less than seven years, and you still think everything's awesome, and um, there are no problems in marriage in rose-colored glasses, and today we're Gonna help you understand that that's a big lie. Okay, so I want you to write this down. If you have something to write on, wave it at me. Anybody have some notes to write with? Write on. Okay, wave it at me. Come on, somebody, let me know you're here. Okay, good. So take some notes in uh, in our church. If you don't have something to write on, but you have something to write with, we tell you to use your neighbor's arm. Just write it all down on there. Take a picture. You've got your notes with you. They can wash it off later. Take some notes. And here's the first thing I want you to write down. This is your big idea for the message today. Trying to change our spouse insults the uniqueness of their design. Trying to change your spouse insults the uniqueness of their design, They're designed a particular way. They have a particular purpose. This passage in Ephesians 5, Paul's writing. And, and by the way, Paul wasn't married. Um, we, we know Paul wasn't married. So you may be thinking, how can he speak to marriage? Well, but scripture says that Paul was celibate. It was a gift. God was you know, gracious to him. And he wishes everyone could be that way because we could put all of our attention on God. But if you can't, then you should be married. And, and so marriage has great value and he speaks to the value of it. And I think part of what he's speaking to is based on his own understanding of scripture and particularly the Old Testament, which he was a student of. So what he writes here is not out of personal experience. It's out of his own confidence and trust in what the word of God teaches about how marriage should go. And so um, your spouse has a unique design. Men and women have some uniqueness. I I read a a story about a a police investigation. There was a police officer who got called to a scene and um, he he kind of arrives at the house where there's a scene and he kind of is looking around. The phone call was someone had heard gunshots. He kind of peeks through the the window and um, he sees a, a woman, uh, excuse me, a, a, yeah, a woman standing nearby the kitchen and a man laying in the middle of the floor. He's been shot and so he's kind of calling into her and what's going on and she's explaining that, that um, he came home and she had just cleaned the house and mopped the floor and he walked across her freshly mopped floor and that's why he's laying in the middle of the floor with a gunshot wound and uh, the guy's kind of freaking out. And he goes to his car and he calls back up and like guys come here and you know i need help and whatever and so they arrive and one of the one of the officers who's his boss says to him hey you know what's the story here and he says well you know apparently she had cleaned the house and mopped the floor and he walked through the kitchen stepped on the wet floor and she shot him and um and the officer's like well have you arrested her he's like no the floor is still wet (laughs) How many of you have a spouse like that? Like, you know, they got some priorities and some things that so you better get it right or there's going to be, there could be violence in your home. There's, <laughs> there's uniqueness. My wife is a clean freak. She loves things to clean, likes them in order. So I often sleep outside in a tent to make sure that I don't end up like that guy. Um, so, so there's uniqueness. And, and what I want to help you do is understand it a little bit. I, I don't know if you play chess or, or not, but I love to play chess and um, it's a challenging game. But, but these two pieces, this is the king and queen. And uh, in the game of chess, they have, they have um, a part to play, they have a role to play, and their role is very different, and, and, but it's very important. that The queen is the most powerful player on the board. Ladies, you, that's a good place for you to say amen. The most powerful piece on the board is the queen. The queen can go anywhere, any direction, as many spaces as she wants. She can take out any piece on the board. She's incredibly powerful. The, the success or failure of your, your you know, winning the game rises and falls on, on what goes on with this piece right here. <laughs> That's my wife laughing like, yep, you better, you better pay attention to the queen. All right, every man look at your wife and just say, baby, you're my queen. Go ahead, right now, just look at her and say, baby, you're my queen. Go ahead, practice, guys. Say it with that real sultry, soulful voice. Baby, you're my queen. Guy, okay, come on. You need to love on her a little bit. And so, um, so I want, what I want to do is I want to give you a few things about the uniqueness. First of all, what you need to understand in this passage in Ephesians 5 is Paul says very clearly, basically, women, you were made to be loved. Husbands, your wives were not created for you. They were created for you to love. The purpose of the wife was complementary, but, but her uniqueness is found in how we serve her by loving her. She's designed for love. And so if we don't understand, I'm gonna give you three things to jot down. We end up in a really unhealthy place in our marriage. Here's the first thing, write this down. The queen is ineffective when she's misunderstood. The queen is ineffective when she's misunderstood. If you have a queen in the game of chess and you only ever move her one space at a time, you are wasting all the potential that resides in the power of this piece. If you only move it one space to the left or one space diagonally or one space backwards, if you move it one space at a time, it has so much more capacity than one space. But if you, if you don't know that, if you go into the game and you think all pieces function the same, the pawn can do this, and so the queen must be the same way, you will waste all of the potential that's in here. When you misunderstand the purpose and function, guys, of your wife, her, her unique design, her unique calling, her complementary nature to you, that her wisdom and intellect and her intuition can serve the vision and mission God has put in you, when you understand that, you unlock the power of your spouse. When you miss that, when she's misunderstood, Man, do we miss out on having an effective part of this journey that God has called us to. And men, we do this all the time. In fact, I think some of it has to do with how long we've been married. In First Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says, And you should dwell with your wives, husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge. It doesn't say dwell with your wives according to how beautiful the lingerie she wears is. It doesn't say dwell with your wife until she serves you the right way. It doesn't say, It says dwell with your wives according to knowledge, and it has no end point to that. In other words, the longer that we're with our wife, the more and more we should unearth and discover about who she is and what her purpose and function is and how she operates. And that doesn't stop at year 2 or 12 or 10 or 49 in y'all's cases. It, it's, it's a forever mission. There's more to know. If you've gotten stagnant because you think you know her all the, all the way, you know everything about her, I'm just telling you there's more to know. It doesn't end. Keep pursuing the knowledge of understanding how this piece, how your queen works, functions, and what her purpose is. And if you'll love her that way, you will have all of the effectiveness for which God brought her into your life. It's actually loving you as much as it is loving and serving her. Here's the second thing, jot this down. The queen is lost when she isn't prioritized. Go ahead, write that down. The queen is lost when she isn't prioritized. This, um, this, this piece in, in the game of chess uh, is super powerful, but if you leave it stranded out on the board all by itself, uh, you'll lose the piece the part of the game is to make sure that as, as the queen moves and you use all of the power that resides within her, there are pieces that you have to use and manipulate around the board to protect her so she's never lost. You have to look out for her. You have to make sure that she's never sacrificed. You have to be sure that she's protected in every way. And, and listen, guys, husbands, for many of us, that's the, the, the physical protection side is a no brainer. Like we get that. We like that part. We like being the tough guy, the big strong protector, the coverer, the you know the the, the tough guy. And, and we, many of us, like thinking about being protective and looking out for her, not letting her get lost in the sense of financial protection and provision. We want to make sure that that, our life is is well set, that we have a, a future, that we're protecting that future, that we're preparing for eventualities. There's financial protection, there's physical protection, but I'll tell you the one that's the most challenging for us guys is the one that actually the Apostle Paul writes about here in Ephesians. He says he protects her and cleanses her by the washing of the word. It's spiritual leadership, spiritual protection that's the most challenging us for us guys. It's, it's hard for us. It is not in our wiring naturally. It takes like a, a, a real discipline to be okay with and to become comfortable with and feel secure in being vulnerable with your wife spiritually. Sex is not the most intimate part of marriage. Praying with your spouse is. It's getting on your knees and seeking God and then joining hands with her and talking to God about all the stuff that's going on in your life or in your marriage because it requires you to open up all of the, the weak places and the scary places and the question marks and the needs. God, we need you to solve this. God, would you be at work in this? And God, would you equip me to be able to do this? And God, in this situation with my kids, I haven't been, you know, I wasn't the best dad or I yelled at my or whatever. And, and she hears it all. Like I can do that on my own when I drive in the car. God and I have great conversations and I'm really transparent. But when I have to do that with my wife, and I should, when I do that, it can be a little scary. And I just want to tell you that the most protected she'll feel is when you do that. The most safe she'll feel is when you find yourself spiritually protecting her. Not just physically and financially. And so we've got to make her a priority. There's something about, um, there's something about having kids. How, ma- how many of you have kids? Who has kids in here? How many of you remember the having babies journey? Anybody remember the ha- not the making the baby journey, the having the baby journey? You know what I'm saying? All right, a few of you. I remember when Janelle uh, was having our, our first child, and um, we were in the hospital, and she was laying there, and you know she's in labor and pain and all that kind of stuff. And something about, I don't know if this is true for everybody else, but my wife senses she becomes like a Wolverine. Like she can hear anything and everything. She can see through walls. She can smell food that's on the cafeteria on the first floor. We're on the ninth floor. Something happens to all of her senses. They just go bananas. And so she's having our first child and um, and I'm in the room and it's a fairly large room and she's over in the bed and I, you know, she's, oh, you know, and all this pain moment. And uh, some, does anybody remember this? Am I alone in this? Are all of your wives better than mine? I don't know what's going on. Janelle was groaning and it was all this pain moments. And, um, and I'm just in total awe because I'm thinking, how do you do this? I I, like, don't here, here's some things. Don't ever say this to your pregnant wife. Don't say things like, I'm so jealous. I wish I could have a baby too. Like, don't say that. Um, that's just not good. Um, (laughs) just, just a few more pieces of advice I could give you about what not to say. Anyway, um, go get your own ice cream. That's another one. Don't say that. Um, just go ahead and get your own ice cream um anyway so she's laying there all of her senses are heightened and and i'm just like whoa this is crazy so i go over and sit down on the couch and i'm just praying like just under my like not even under my breath like there's no breath it's so quiet you know what i mean like she's over there and i'm over here and i'm just like dear god just please jesus i just can you just help her lord god like like i can't even hear me and all of a sudden i hear my wife go can you please stop praying like, just be quiet over there. It's it's annoying me. And I'm trying to have a baby, you know? It's like something changed. And and everything in me wanted to go, I'm trying to serve you. Like what are you talking You're a priority right now. I'm praying for you. And she was all wound up about it. Can I help you with something, guys? It is difficult sometimes. We, sometimes your desire to prioritize her can get can get messy because she may not see it the way you see it. And if in the innermost parts of who you are, before Jesus, you're prioritizing and serving your wife, I promise you there will be reward in your marriage. And don't let the fact that she doesn't always get it or see how it's you prioritizing her divert you from doing it well. She needs to be prioritized. If she's not prioritized, she gets lost. Here's a third thing you can jot down uh, based on Ephesians 5. Write this down. The queen is powerful when she is secure, not just when she's the priority, but when she's secure, as well as when uh, you are understanding her to To knowledge. That means full-on protection. Now listen, how many of you uh, ladies have already elbowed your husbands and said, hey, I hope you're paying attention today. And how many of you men are saying, Pastor Kevin, why did you invite him here? How did he end up here? Don't ever bring him back. This is awful. Um, I, just, I just want you to know, guys, that um, it's your job to understand her, to prioritize her, to keep her secure. If you do that, I promise that the inflection points in your marriage will change, your future will look good, and what God has designed for marriage will come to pass for you. Now, here's the deal. We're not done. Every, every husband, look at, your, look at your wife and just say, now it's your turn. All right, now it's your turn. All right. So here's what verse 33 says in Ephesians chapter 5. It says, And the wife must respect her husband and the wife must respect her husband. The design of a woman is to receive love. And how we demonstrate that love is through prioritization, through understanding, and through provision of security. We take care of her. We look out for her. We make her a priority. And we understand her as she grows and changes into the purpose and into the design and fulfills what God has designed her to do. As a man, as a husband, that's how I love my wife. That's what she's designed for. But as a woman, you are designed to demonstrate respect. And as a man, we designed to receive respect and honor. Now you may think to yourself, well, that seems unfair. So you get to be all that in a bag of chips. You get a throne, like whatever. You may think that's unfair, but much the, the description of love is a complete surrender and sacrifice of personal preference and priority and the taking up of all that is my wife's preference and priority it's laying down all that I want to make sure that all that she wants and needs comes to fulfillment in the reverse ladies your job is to is to respect and honor him that's what you're called to do and so there are three things I want to give you about the king everybody every wife look at your husband say hey baby you're my king go ahead say with that real sultry voice say hey baby you're my king He's going to stop paying attention. He's just going to stare at you for a little bit and think about later. I'm going to kiss your neck. I'm just, we're going to get all up them, lovey dovey later. Just tell him, say, hi, honey, you're my king. Okay. So I'm going to give you three things about the king. Here's the deal on the, on the chessboard. This, this guy right here, he is really not that powerful. He can only move one space at a time. Like he can't go anywhere. He's, he's pretty much fixed. He's highly protected. All these other pieces are trying to keep him from being lost because the, you lose the king. The king, the game's over. You take out the head and the the whole game is over. And the same thing is true in our families. When we mess up in our marriages, the functional realities, the unique design of the king or the head, we mess up the entire family. It is really important that we understand it. But the truth of the matter, the king is really not all that powerful one space at a time. You know who's powerful, right? It's the queen. All the ladies said, amen. Come on. All right. So let me give you three things um, about a king. Are are, Are you ready? Everybody say, I'm ready. Okay, here we go. The king, number one, the king is fulfilled through leadership. The fulfillment of a man comes through his leadership. Men feel most fulfilled when they're leading. Now, everybody has a different quantity or capacity for leadership. Some can lead small. Some can lead medium. Some can lead large. Very, very clear in scripture. The the parable of the talents is very clear. Men's leadership capacity varies, and one of the worst things you can do, ladies, is compare your husband's leadership to some other man's leadership. Men are designed to lead, but you respecting and honor him has everything to do with respecting and honoring him and watching him fulfill the leadership God has designed him with, not the leadership God has designed in somebody else. Just telling you, uh, the, the king, the head of your home, your husband, the man you said I do to, he is fulfilled through leading. But what he can lead and his capacity to lead may grow over time, but it's not going to look like everybody else's. Some people can lead lots and lead big. Some people cannot. It does has nothing to do with their quality or their value. It has to do with their design. Don't mess this up. If you, if you speak and, and, and compare and relate to the king through comparison, you're going to undermine all that he is able to do in loving and caring for, protecting, serving, and knowing you don't mess that up. And the truth of the matter is in our culture, Husbandship and fatherhood has been radically undermined. Years and years and years ago, in television and movies and all the rest of it, in media, husbands were very valued. They were they were held in high regard. They were looked up to, they were celebrated, they worked hard and they came home to their castle and all that. But over over recent years, the last decade or more maybe, it's flipped the switch. Men and, and husbands in general are kind of looked down upon. In fact, what is what is valued is single men, independence. Uh, we don't take care of a family. We kind of do what we want and go where we want. And aren't we all that and tough and cool and amazing and conquerors and whatever. But, but really the design of a man is to experience honor and respect. And so ladies, you, you deal with a cultural battle in your home, whether you know it or not. That the world around you is preaching something different than what the scriptures preach about how we relate to our husbands and wives. But your husband is fulfilled through leadership. Now that doesn't mean that you don't have any part in leadership. In Genesis chapter one, we read the story of how Eve was created. She was taken from from one of Adam's ribs. She was taken from his side. She's flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone. She's equal in her her nature, her material. She's equal and partner, but there's responsibility that he has that she doesn't. At the end of the day, before God, he's going to give an account for his home. So, his, so God has designed him to be able to lead. If he's going to give an account for it, God has to put the stuff in him to be able to take care of whatever he's going to give an account for. So your husband is designed to lead. You may say, well, I don't like that very much when he makes decisions and I don't give input on it. Listen, that's not healthy. He should get all your input. But at the end of the day, he's got responsibility to lead your home. And he's fulfilled in it. When he leads and there's success and even when there's failure, There's fulfillment in him. Not that we like failure, but man, when I make a decision and we go after it, my wife's got my back and and she runs with me and she follows me into it. Even when we aren't successful, I still feel fulfillment because my queen has got my back. Here's the second thing as a king, kings are driven toward conquest. Write that down. The king is driven toward conquest. Ladies, men, let me ask you this first. Guys, how many of you like to shop? Good, that's kind of what I expected. Um, ladies, how about you? Anybody in here like to shop? Ladies, a few of you, come on, that's a lie. There's a whole lot more of you that like to shop than the hands that went up. maybe you're just busy writing stuff down, which would be awesome. Um, so here's the thing, when ladies shop, the world is, like the, it's all different when girls shop. When ladies go shopping, they like, they like, show up at store number one, and they browse through everything, and they get to the sale rack, you hope, and then they go back to the places where it's not selling, they find something like, oh, I really like this thing, and then they, but I'm not going to buy it, I'm going to go to the second store, I'm going to look through this store, I'm going to check the sale stuff, and I'm going to go back, this looks a lot like the thing in the first store, but I wonder if the third store has that, and then they go to the third store, and they flip through everything, they find that this black dress looks just like the black dress that was in stores one and two, but this black dress is a different black, by like, just a hair different black, so maybe I should look at the fourth store, because Maybe it's even better. And they get to the fourth store. Then they're like, you know what? I I think I'm going to buy this and take it down to the second store and hold it up and compare it. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to return it to the fourth store and come back to the second store. I'm exhausted talking about it. But that's how women are. But guys, how do guys shop? If guys ever have to go shopping, how do guys do it? They, they go through the store, the mall, whatever it is, like a running back coming through a hole in the offensive line. Like the hole opens up, they run through the store, they're knocking people out of the way, they grab the thing off the rack, they go to the door, knock the people over, pay for the stuff, they bag it, they tag it, they take it home and hang it on a wall. These guys are built for conquest. They gotta conquer stuff. Ladies, you need to understand something. There's something that God has put in your husband for him to do. And he may not be sure what it is yet, but his nature, his, 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 his drive is to his conquest, it's conquering. I got I to gotta conquer, I got to win, I got to take over, I got to do. And if he doesn't know exactly what it is yet that God has purposed him for, he's going to run after something. And when you stand in the way or you remind him that that's not the thing and God would have you do something else, you you mess with the thing that motivates him to succeed in life. He's driven towards conquest. What you need to help him do, and guys, what we need to let them help us do is to discern whether or not the things we're trying to conquer are really the things God has put us here to do. Are they really the things I'm supposed to tackle? Am I really supposed to build that business? Am I really supposed to take this over? Am I really supposed to, like, what are the things? I remember when Janelle and I were dating. How many of you remember the dating journey before you got married? Anybody remember it? Or is it, if you compartmentalized it, put it over here. You're seeking a therapist about it. I hope, I hope you remember yours. I remember ours. Janelle and I, we started dating when we were in college. And uh, I asked her out for my 21st birthday. We went out uh, for my 21st birthday and, which was wonderful and we went out for about a month and then after about a month we we met and we had the talk anybody know what the talk is right the talk is you know hey i really you're awesome and i like the food we eat and that's cool and but um i think we should be friends you know what i'm saying that that conversation anybody have that anybody go through that anybody else go through that nobody okay it's awesome so i did and uh (laughs) welcome to my nightmare so uh so anyway, so she said, let's just be friends. And I, I, inside, I was like, that's junk. I'm not doing that. I, I want to date you. And so I, 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 all that kind of blah, blah, blah out of my mouth. And I said, you want to date me? You just don't know it yet. <laughs> Conquest, right? So she went back and told everybody I'm just an arrogant jerk and all that kind of stuff. But in February, she wrote me a note and said, I, you know, I think we should talk. And I was like, hey. <laughs> and so we talked and now we're married for 24 years and have three kids. How many know conquest is how we're designed, guys? Come on. Okay. Conquest is how you're built. And uh, you guys don't golf because they want to take it easy. They golf because they want to beat the other guy. They're just like, I wanna, I'm going to win. It's about competition and conquest. Ladies, don't keep your, keep your husband... Don't hold him back. He needs things to conquer. And there's one or two or three things that God has probably designed him to conquer. And he needs you to remind him that he's capable. And he needs you to remind him that, that you believe in him. And he needs you to remind him that if it, if it isn't God, if he's off course, if he's, that he needs you to remind him not that he's off course and he's bad because he is, but that you want to help him discover what will fulfill him greatly because he's driven to conquer. Here's the third thing you can jot down. The king thrives on admiration. The king thrives on admiration. And here's, here's the truth, ladies. Um, as a man, one of the things we need desperately is admiration specifically through words of praise. And uh, as you ladies sometimes can struggle with, is that men, if they don't get praise and affirmation verbally from our spouses, we'll give it to ourselves. So, and that can drive you bananas, right? If you don't tell us good things, we're gonna tell ourselves good things in front of you. That's how much we need it. And, and um, in fact, I don't know if you guys, but I don't, is anybody like yard work? Does anybody like, like the mowing of the yard and the trimming of the shrubs and all that? Okay, two of you, we'll pray for you later. And Okay, okay, another one right there. So um, there's a ministry table out back. Um, but, I, so I don't love it, but I do it. And, uh, so I, I can't tell you, like, this has happened for sure in our house, and it probably has happened for many of you. Well, I'll go outside and mow the yard and trim the shrubs and get it all kind of cleaned up and done for the spring, and I kind of look in my front door and kind of peer back and see Janelle in the kitchen making dinner or whatever, and, and I open the door. Hey, baby, what are you doing? She's like, I'm making dinner. Okay, well, um, can you, can you come here for a minute? I'm, I'm making your dinner. <laughs> I say, I know, I, but she, I just need you to come outside for just when, one minute. So she'll, you know, okay. She'll put her step down. She'll come outside, and we'll walk down in the middle of the front yard, turn around, and just, baby, look at all that. You see all those? See how the shrub, you see all that? Oh, David, that looks so great. I know. I know. It's awesome, isn't it? Didn't I do a great job? See that over there? See how I trimmed that right there? Yeah, David, that's a great job. I know. It's awesome, isn't it? I will, I will interrupt anything going on in her world. In fact, today, after this message, we'll be walking out and my wife is going to say my ear, David, that was the best message I've ever heard in my life. You're amazing. Jesus has nothing on you. You're fabulous. <laughs> just, that's the way it's going to be. Why? Because she knows I'm a child and I need admiration. And I'm just telling you, ladies, your husband does too. You're not making him arrogant because you remind him of great things. You're not creating ego in him because you admire him and you speak value and life into him. What you're doing is you're putting fuel in the gas tank so that he can conquer what God has designed him to do and he can lead you into the life God has designed for you to live in. He's wired and fueled and thrives on your admiration. And the truth of the matter is, if you don't do it, he's going to go upstairs in the bathroom, look in the mirror and say, you're awesome. Do you know that? Just do you say, Look at that. Look. You're amazing. Look at you. I read a story about a, a, a man who said to his wife after a number of years, said, hey, honey, after 30 years of marriage, he said, you know, when, when I'm old and fat and bald, will you still love me? And she said, I do. <laughs> listen, listen. We need you ladies to speak life into our world. Your king needs to hear from you, whispering in his ear that you believe in him. Even when he fails, that you trust him. That you see greatness in him. That you see a future that he's leading you into and you can't wait to walk in it. That you trust him and you believe in him. Men thrive on admiration. If you want to, you can close your Bible, close your notes. I want to read you one last passage of Scripture out of Philippians, and then we're going to pray together. Because I believe that there are many of you in here who have marriages that need to be poured into others. And I believe there's some of you in here who are stepping into the early parts of marriage, and you're facing some difficult things. And uh, and you need to you need to figure out some things about how to Live right. This is a passage from Philippians chapter two. It says this in verses three and four. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. That means is, Wives, your job is not to make sure that he serves you. And husbands, your job is not to make sure that she serves you. Your job is to understand her, men. Your job is to prioritize her, men. Your job is to make sure that you are leading well so that she feels safe and secure and protected. And ladies, your job is to value his leadership, to give him great admiration and trust him, and to help him conquer. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.